Okay, hello. This is episode two of the three. Three. Oh, well, <laughs> episode one had two parts. Yeah. So is was... this is this part three or is yeah? This well, is this it? is episode. This would be episode three because we have two. Yeah, what? this is episode three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's not episode one, part one and two. It's episode three now. Oh, okay. My bad. Part one How... and two were our first two episodes. Okay, so then hello, this is episode three of the Ain't I a Woman podcast. Today, uh, we're going to get into it, y'all. We're just going to go ahead and talk about sex, love, relationships, and Black feminism. Because for a lot of people, those things do not commiserate at all. They're antithetical because how can you be a feminist and still want to have romantic relationships specifically with men? And so we're going to get into the ins and outs of what does it look like to be a Black feminist dating in 2022. Um, And Zimmy, you came to us with an article that you found. You want to tell us a little more about it? Yes. Okay. So there's this article by, uh, I think she's a psychologist. Her name is Lori Gottlieb. It's called Marry Him, The Case for Settling for Mr. Good Enough. Um, Ooh. Ooh, girl. It's actually a (laughs) trend. Yeah. So full transparency, I just recently went through a breakup um, and I was considering possibly maybe getting back with my ex. And this was one of the articles that I, that I was, I read which already in itself is probably not a great sign if you're like reading articles about <laughs> settling and <laughs> think about oh getting back gosh. with your ex. But essentially she makes this, this woman at the time when she wrote the article, I think was like 40, um, 41, 42 or something like that. And had just become a single mother by way of IVF, I think um, through a sperm donor. And she writes this article about how essentially she missed out on her opportunity to get married because she was waiting for, you know, this like, cosmic connection type of thing like waiting for like real true love I guess um and now that she's in her early 40s she um now that she's in her early 40s she really regrets the fact that she didn't settle with her previous boyfriends and so she's writing this article basically as a cautionary tale to specifically women in their 30s so be to me you 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 didn't you're not there yet but she's essentially telling the women in, in, in our 30s that like we need to stop being so picky. Um, we need to get over things like, you know, not being attracted to, you know, the person. Maybe the person doesn't have great hygiene. Y'all didn't read this article. I told y'all to read this article. Maybe the person doesn't, you know, their career is not where it should be. I mean, she even gives she gives examples of girlfriends of hers. Um who two of them she says are married to men that they're all pretty sure are gay and she's like but that's still better than being by yourself one of her friends recently just got married to a man who has like severe and you know not to shame anyone severe anxiety um to the point where he's like unable to leave the house um but that's still better than like being a single woman in your 40s because essentially the quality of men in her purview um, significantly declined. So like you can find somebody who's decent enough, who could be a good uh, um, good co-parent. You know, you all could be good teammates together. You all can build a family. Settle. He's good enough. That's that. That is the premise of the article. Um, but you really, it's, you have to read it to like really get how... Oh, I'm I'm actually I'm actually reading it right now, and it's very much giving me um, quote ex feminist. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's I 
should also say that. Okay, so this she wrote the article and then a couple years later she writes a book or maybe it's the reverse. But so one of the things she really gets into is how like feminism was one. She's a former feminist, I guess. And feminism is one of the reasons that women, you know, us unmarried single women in our thirties are really, ah, she's a white woman. I should also say are really missing out is because. Zimmy, now why you didn't leave with that? (laughs) That that was kind of thinking This is probably a black woman. She is a white woman. Um, Oh my God. Hmm. Um, okay, but I should, I'll, I'll try to fix that. I should have led with the fact that she is a white woman. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think that she still speaks to a lot of the anxieties that like black and white women, um, I would say even more so that a lot of black women have, particularly like black women above the age of 30 who are not married. That's a huge market, right? Like people are literally making millions off of tapping into the insecurities of those women. So I don't think that her article is that far off from like where a lot, there's a reason why those like act like a woman, think like a man books sell out and their movies made about them and people make millions of dollars off of being relationship experts. And like, so she's not talking about an anxiety that does not exist amongst black women, to be fair. So with that said, dating is a feminist, a black feminist. Wow. Well, let's keep, we're going to talk about white women first because Uh, I think, (laughs) no, let's just get this out the way because so much of what people have to say about black feminism has to do with them believing that it was white women who created feminism, that it's principally white women who are leading and directing black women even now. And so we're taking our cues from white women. And I can remember coming up and seeing this film called The First Wives Club. Um, I don't know if you all have seen that, but it has to do with these women who, in my view, married when they were quote unquote supposed to, right? They found these men who were well-to-do enabled them to live well um, for, or not even able to live well, but men who aided them in being upperly mobile. Um, and even this man who maybe got started a little later building his electronics business, you know, he eventually made made well, but didn't want to give her a dime of it. Um, so I, I think there are definitely some things that Black women can relate to. But when I'm sitting back up watching it, I'm like, look, even if you did take Mr. Good Enough early on in life, that don't mean that you're not going to be wife number one and he's not going to move on to wife number two and leave you and your kids to be raised in London or Ghana. Or I'm just talking about the men I'm dating recently. Um, <laughs> in another country and then come date me. So I just, I just feel like that has to be explicitly said that even you know, it does there's no security in taking Mr. Good enough because he gonna take Miss Good enough and he will leave you with kids. Okay. So I think that's what so many of us are actually trying to avoid. Like when we're thinking about being parents, we want to have a secure co-parent who isn't gonna leave the country, right? Um, at, at minimal, <laughs> right? We want somebody who will at least stay in the same state and play a very active role in the rearing of, of the children. And you know, I shout out to people who are finding their sperm sperm donors and are committing themselves to being, um, you know, 
parents, single parents, and they're like, no, I already know this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to establish a network that looks like this. I'm going to have to do it in a way that looks more like this because I'm not going to rely on one person to get it right. Um, And I think that that just, that's another blow for the nuclear family, that this model places so much emphasis on one person deciding to act right and stick to what they say they're going to do. And we see by and large, that is almost never what happens, right? It always, almost always looks very different than the promises two people make before they lay down in that conception bed, right? (laughs) Like it always looks different. People always make all these problems. No, whatever. No, you can have this and I'll do this for you. Child, if it's not written in a contract. So wait, so let's even talk about marriage, right? Because I know that some Black feminists, they're thinking they have have very different uh, uh, feelings about what marriage is, what it constitutes, and what the benefits and consequences can be. Because we've definitely seen Black women have to come up out of pocket. Shout out to Mary J. Uh, We've definitely seen um, other Black women come out very Halle well. Berry. Hey, now. Oh, Halle Wait, Berry. But, but before we get into that, can we really quickly go around and say whether or not we want to be married? So the question that I, want, I wanted to ask before we got into talking about marriage, what it is, what it means, all that is, do you want to be married? Mm. Mm. No, I don't. It's not something I want. I just understand the utility of a marriage contract. I I understand that it offers certain protections, that it offers me certain entitlements. I've seen women who show up at the funeral and not the and they're not the wife. I, I want to be her. I don't. I don't. I don't want to be her because Jesus. I, I'm so sorry. I just don't like. I because I I know that you know, she doesn't get to make any decisions about what's going to happen now. Right. And it's about how are you going to be impacted by not only the loss, but if your, your partner becomes ill. Right. So these are all the things that we tend not to like to think about going into a relationship, right. When everything's good and the love is strong and everything's going well, who needs a piece of paper. Right. But the piece of paper is for all of those moments that we really don't like to think about death, disease, divorce, right when you all want to end your connection to each other and you have to figure out like what's it going to look like on the other side of that that's what uh, that legal document um helps put in place for you and your children so i mean is it something that i would want to ever no none of us do none of us really want to ever have to think about that side of things none of us really want to have to get married but it serves a a specific purpose. And from that perspective, I see why people do it. I can see there coming a point in time where it might make sense for me. I can also see myself being extraordinarily wealthy and being like, actually, I don't want no document tying me to you. We don't need a piece of paper. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? So I think Mm -hmm. that's something that women should consider. Like, what's my financial situation going to be? Like, does it make sense for me to have a contract binding me to this person or not? Is Should love be good enough in this context? So all of those things have to be weighed. And I think that it's all about where you are in your life. I think this is a conversation to sit down and have with your lawyer. So please, (laughs) y'all, sit down, pay for that conversation to get um, advised on what makes sense for you. Talk to somebody who knows what marriage looks like on the other side and get there like should I get married should I get married and what should a prenuptial agreement look like for me okay be to me yeah 
I honestly, I'm not going to hold you. I'm not really interested in being married, um, to be so real, because at least for me, I don't see me spending like a good amount of time of like my life in the United States, like outside of like once I've gotten, you know, my education and once I've gotten a couple things into place, like I'm going to be out of here. So I really like when I think about marriage, I think about it like in so many different contexts, right? Like I think about like the way that I grew up with my parents um, and my super non-traditional Nigerian family and how like all the relationships that I saw around me within the community, the whole point was the utility, right? Like the main point, like the reason why these people stayed with each other for so long was because of the children, right? It was because of the financial benefits. It was because of health benefits, tax benefits. Like it was literally what what the like the utility, all those perks of being in a marriage was. That was the reason why I saw like all these people in my community staying together. It wasn't necessarily like love. It wasn't necessarily like I really want to be with this person. I think at one point it was. But I, for me, I have this experience of seeing like marriages kind of like devolve like to the bare bones and like to the bare minimum of why people even like really get into being married in the first place. Not to mention, you know, the, the socialization, right? Like with the article that Zimmy had um, sent to us, me just like kind of reading through it. It's this idea that, you know, when you have kids, you're supposed to have a partner and we can all talk about the utility of that, right? Like how beneficial it is and how much easier it would be for most women who have children um, to have, you know, multiple streams of income, particularly if it's from another person um, coming into the household. But past the utility of, you know, that I, I don't really I, the, the article was it was very um it just very much gave me that this is just what you're supposed to do. Um, and I've never been like really one for things that I'm supposed to be doing. So outright like this, this idea of like getting married, the, the way that like my mom socialized me, don't you want to catch husband? Like, you know, don't you want to be married? Like you need to make sure that you're doing this and this and this so you can get a man. Even though for the first 18 years of my life, he told me to stay away from boys because I would get pregnant. Now all of a sudden I'm supposed to know how to get a husband. Like, it's just, I don't really think, I, and I think maybe like for us in our generation, this day and age, we are thinking more deeper about what marriage actually means because we have so many different examples of like when you when you don't get married for like, and, and you don't have like that basic foundation that I think you need in terms of like open communications, like being the willingness to change, to evolve and to really actually grow with the person. Um, then you get the situations like my parents' situations, right? You get the situation like, you know, with so many of our parents where they're kind of just like coexisting. Um, so no, I don't really seek to be married. I think that there's a lot of things that, you know, we as like black women need to figure out <laughs> for ourselves before, like much to Asia's point, making that decision to attach ourselves to somebody with a binding legal contract and really just like weighing all the pros and cons of the situation. So, yeah. And the whole time hate it when I say this because how old are you? I'm 25. What's up? Oh, oh no. Oh, you're no. 25 you now, beating me. Oh. <laughs> well, I do want to be married. I know. Shocking. Ooh. If you would have asked me five months ago, I'd have been like, eh, I 
really know about that. Um, but I think that I want to be married for different reasons, right? So, and I should also say I would never get married without a prenup. I don't even know what people are doing getting married <laughs> without pre. Like, what are you doing? I just don't even. I understand Living why people life were doing, on the edge. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very risk averse. Um, according to my financial advisor, <laughs> I'm very risk averse. Um. So for me, it's not even like it's it's a non-starter. And I do think that I think prenups make sense because um, it's easy to think things will work out well when everything is good. Right. So everyone is fair. Everyone is equitable. Everybody is moving in love when there's actually love there. A prenup is to just ensure in case there's a rainy day <laughs> where we ain't moving in love. It's, mm -hmm. You know, I'm not fucking with you. It's not yeah. it's like. We already set the terms of disagreement about how things would end. We don't want them to end, but if they ever were to end, we already set the rules of engagement. But for me, I think, I mean, I want to be married because I think there's a part of me that's like hopeless romantic. Like, I love the idea of meeting this person that you connect with on this amazing level and they just really get you and you get them and you all build this like life together. Um, but on the flip side of that, I think being married to the wrong person is like probably one one of the biggest, uh, like, that's like being in hell, right? Like, so that's one of the worst decisions that you could ever make. Um, from talking to people who are in marriages where I'm like, yikes, what is this, right? Like, this sounds awful, right? This sounds debilitating. It sounds like it's, it's crushing every aspect of like your spirit, your soul, your joy. But then on the flip side, you talk to people who are in healthy, stable, supportive relationships, not always marriages, um, but long-term relationships, often marriages, but not always. This sounds like one of the best things ever. Right? Mm -hmm. so I'd be lying if I said that like, man, when I talk to somebody and they're in it and it's good and you know that like, I don't believe in the one, but you know that that person is right for them. Yeah, that shit, it sounds amazing. If, like I, if I could have that, like obviously I would want to have that. I think the issue becomes when because of all the pressure around getting married, particularly for women, because it does not happen for men in the same way it happens for women, people then just like jump into marriages just for the sake of being married. And that's like, that's the point that I don't want to get to, right? Like I'm always really like fearful about, I don't ever want to succumb to the social pressure, right? Because even me, like, and I, I will say shout out to my mom. My mom is like, very non-standard Nigerian mother in that like my the me and my mom just had our very first conversation about like me getting married prompted by me right <laughs> I think I, I told you I told you all about it where I was no like way. I'm not gonna say what the detail my mom was being my mom but it was a conversation I initiated about like you know I just been I've been going through you know this this little breakup got me like in a little got me in a chokehold um <laughs> So I, you know, so my mom was ne has never been the type to like push like with any of us. She's just not, that's just not her thing. And I think a lot of that is because of her own marriage, but you know, I'm not interested in like divulging details about like her marriage. So must um, be nice. No, these aunties will be going through hell and no. they'll still be asking us, when will you find husband? No, Are my you mom has <laughs> honestly, I think nice. that my mom only cares now because like I, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's never been, you know. Um, but yeah, so that's always like my biggest fear. And I, I know so many people who got married because there's just this great, you know, even being women as accomplished as we are, like, I feel like there's always still this extra sense of judgment of like, 
Oh, that's great. You got your, you went to school, you did your little PhD, you got your little job, you know, you're doing your thing. But you ain't got no nigga. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's like the ultimate accomplishment almost, right? So it almost feels like you never quite made it. You know, like people try to make you feel like you never quite accomplished anything but you, because you haven't accomplished this thing. So I don't know. It's very complex and complicated. But I think at the core, when I see good marriages, it makes me want, it reminds me of like, okay, yeah, I would be cool being married. So Zimmy, so many nah. things came up as you were speaking. Um primarily though is it that you want to be married or do you want to be partnered and i want to hear that and the answer to that question do you do we want to be married as opposed to being partnered because you can be married and not be in a partnership how about that whoa <laughs> how about that so I hope that that little nuance will help us have this conversation that I really want to have about different goals for relationships, right? Because the other question that came up as you were speaking, Zimmy, was, is marriage the ultimate accomplishment? And I don't, I know that in the culture it is, I know that in the nuclear family paradigm it is, but I think healthy relationships are the ultimate accomplishment in our lives. And I don't know that marriage is always conducive to that. I know people who are like getting, have ended their marriage ties, but are really great friends now that the marriage is over. That always was remarkable to me. Like, so wait, so why aren't y'all together then? It's like, <laughs> no, like the marriage didn't work, but we can be great friends. And I was like, oh, so none of this is how it seems. So at my big age, I'm like realizing that everything I was taught about marriage and relationships is much more than than get married, find a man. You know, there's so much more, more to it. And I can get more specific about what I want than just saying I want to be married. So for y'all, do you want to be partnered? That thing you just said about you can be partnered and not married and you could be married and not be in a partnership. But I mean, someone needs to put that on a shirt, Asia. It's the thing that when we're talking about how like there's like black women who are married, but they're single moms. That's the type of stuff where like that's exactly what we're talking about. Like you're in something that's supposed to come with certain types of securities and there are certain things you shouldn't have to worry about. But you do because you have pressured yourself much to um, Zimmy's point earlier. You've, you've conformed to the social pressure of just like this woman is, is encouraging women to do just ser- settling for Mr. Good Enough, not necessarily like the person that would engage in a partnership with you, but the person who has also decided to conform to, to society's pressures and to just get married maybe with someone who they know that they're necess- they're not necessarily going to put out all this energy for. Um, so I think that, yeah, that is, the, especially when we're talking about Black women, the white woman is encouraging us to settle for Mr. Good Enough. Like, Black women been settling for Mr. Good Enough for a very, 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 long, very long time. Welcome to the club. <laughs> we have all my life Mr. I had to settle. <laughs> <laughs> you are sick and tired. I'm being sick and tired. So it's kind of like, me just been hearing that, I'm like, 
Yes. And I, I think that this is this is a conversation that black women really, really need to get into. Um, because the way that we be booty clapping, mm. the way that we be tearing down other black women publicly and the hopes, dreams that somebody, anybody, right? Like uh-uh. well, um, marriage only makes sense if it's a partnership, right? Like I'm not a we need to get married by any means necessary. You know, like, I don't even understand the point of being married to someone who doesn't fulfill you emotionally, you know, like who you can't have a friendship with, who's not a good partner, who's not a good co-parent. Like, I don't, that's dead. I don't even, I, I literally don't. I mean, I, but I also understand that obviously women don't go into marriages knowing <laughs> how terrible their, their, you know, their husbands may end up being. Um, yeah, so for me, I think the ultimate goal is like partnership, right? And I'm of the school of thought of like, yeah, but if we have this great partnership, like why not have the social contract that and the safety that comes with us being married, right? So like, yeah, the, the goal is to be in a good, stable, loving partnership. And if that's there, then like, yeah, we need the tax breaks and all the other stuff too. We 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 gonna get the 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 social contract and all the all the perks or whatever. Um, I'm also not someone who fundamentally like when people are like, we got married and everything changed. I'm like, how? Are you sure everything changed, or like, did you just skip over a bunch of stuff that was already there before? It's 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 super fascinating to me, right? Particularly for people who are living together before, where it was like we were together, we lived together, but then we had this wedding, and then the entire world stopped. It's like ah, that's always <laughs> something about that's always been a little bizarre to me, but I don't know. Um, I say partnership definitely the goal and is marriage I think the question is is marriage the ultimate accomplishment I think if you for society for women yes absolutely treat women as if they have failed at something in life if they're not like they failed at life (laughs) if they're not married right there's something wrong with you uh if you're not married and to some extent we we start to treat men like that but not until they in like their 50s (laughs) <laughs> you know like if you're a I don't even old, think, I don't, old bachelor I don't even like, see ooh, Zimmy that's the funny thing like because I met one of those there was a 50 year old man when I was like about 20 years old um mm-hmm. he was a bouncer at this club that like me and Not my friends used to like bouncer. to go I'm telling you Whatever. this I'm man sure. had never been married had never had any kids and it was one of the first things that he let me know about himself. Like he was very, very proud of it. Um, like mm. there was this kind of this kind of this arrogance about it, right? Like I don't, I really don't think that men catch any slack. Like if 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 you're or any slack, I should say, if you're a fifty-something-year-old black man who's never been married, never had any kids. People will think that, you know, you're more attractive because now you can get with the younger women because that was his target, right? Now he's trying to get with younger women and he's telling you, hey, I ain't got no wife. I ain't got no kids. I got my own spot. I'm just as free and, you know, able to go about and move about as these other like young cats. So I just, I hear what you're saying, but I just don't think, I don't think they catch any type of anything for so I would have I would have agreed with that a couple years ago but then Cory Booker happened <laughs> and not oh that and that is not shade to Cory Booker that's to say that was the first time that I ever saw in real time people people being like 
why is he not married and why does but you know he's, he's also he's a, a, he's a politician yes but he's financially stable he's attractive like there I, I do think because I, I used to be on the same page right and then after that and just like starting to just notice things a little bit more I even in talking to like my girlfriends right when it's like you be on these dating apps and you see like a 48 year old man it's like well why didn't nobody want you so I do think that there is a certain age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a certain, it just happens a lot sooner for women. It happens like a good two decades earlier for women, right? <laughs> when they start wondering, why aren't you married? Yeah. Why aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> With men, you're talking about when you get into your late forties, then people start being like, what's going on here? With women, it's like you get into your late twenties and it's like, what's going on here? Right? Like it's, it's a solid, that's. It's a solid two decades difference, and that's two decades makes a huge difference mm -hmm. in like societal mm -hmm. pressure. So yeah. I do think it happens for men, but they have so much more time before anyone starts to question. Like, and, and for men, I will also say no one questions whether they're accomplished or not. So people start to question, like, well, what's wrong with you as a man that you know you're not husband material at your at fifty? It doesn't take away from anything you've ever accomplished. Right. If you're a phenomenal physician or an, whatever, like you are still all of those things. Right. You're still an accomplished person. It's just like, well, damn, why couldn't you figure this out? Whereas for women, it's like you are nothing. You hold no value. And what if, I said, what if I said the whole tension between the cis high community and the queer community is that you can't evaluate queer people using those standards? What you mean? Like you can't assess what kind of person they are based on whether or not they are partnered because those same standards and rules don't apply. When you're prohibited by law from being partnered or if you expressing your affection and sexuality towards your partner is criminal, then I cannot evaluate who you are based on if based on that standard anymore. It doesn't apply to you. You don't have access mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. And so part of people's discomfort and phobias around queerness is not being able to categorize them and assess them based on those same standards that cis people do get evaluated on. And so it's kind of just like, whoa, like th that's, that's why having this kind of intervention, the thinking things through a queer lens, like that's what it really brings. It helps us to kind of see like, what are the shortfalls and pitfalls of everything that we thought was like useful and helpful and, you know, like illuminating, like, no, mm -hmm. all these things really stand to just like keep people from knowing their true selves keep people from accessing one another in these ways. It's actually a place for people to hide, right? Because all I got to do is be married and you think I'm the politician you should vote for? Like, yes. imagine, that's all you yes. have to do. Imagine, yes. you don't want to know my political platform. You want to know if I'm married? No, it's suspicious <laughs> that you're not married. Why aren't you married? Can you imagine? So I just, I want people to just kind of like, I just want to wake that up a little bit that, you know, these means of like portraying yourself in a certain way to the world to be accepted. It's, it's not really what we want. We want people to have to show who they are fully and completely. And we want people to be evaluated 
reflected on more than are you partnered? Are you married? And, you know, what, what has been the fruit of that relationship? Has it made you more socially mobile? Was it a quote unquote good match? Did it improve? And we can start getting into questions like, does this person support and affirm you? Are you happier than you were? Are you doing, like, you know what I mean? Like what, like what quality of, of your life is, you know, has like changed or like, what is the quality of your life in this relationship or in this partnership? Like has, cause th those are more substantive questions. Cause I know so many people who were totally miserable, but married and partnered and they got to show up in conversations and say, well, as a married person, I think, you know, they got to, <laughs> I wish I could see Zemi's face. <laughs> and so now they come into conversations not partnered, but having gone through that experience, have like a wealth of wisdom and knowledge, right? And, you know, I just wanted to lift that up about being a queer perspective in because as people who were prohibited from being married and demonstrating their love and connection in that way, they brought a lot to helping us understand love, connection, relationships, and did a lot to help us really debunk some of these ideas that have been just traps for cis women. Definitely agree. And it's, oh my gosh, like, it's so funny that you said that, um, talking about like having like a queer perspective in, in the backdrop of talking about relationships, because it really was around the time that I started getting more into like reading, um, like black queer folks, black lesbians, like reading their work in academia that I was really like, do I want to like really be partnered up, like married partnered up? Like, I'm not gonna lie, like when, when you start, you know, reading shit that we're, we're talking about critiques about just the ways in which like we talk to each other, right? The way that we're socialized, like right down to the bare minimum of like how we treat each other with, within the black community based on whatever identities it is that we occupy. Um, and I was just like, damn, like, I feel like now I have to question everything about everybody. Like y'all know that little Instagram video where, um, there's this uh, guy, he's a teacher, um, and he, like, does these videos where he's, like, you know, nowadays you got to kind of have to test people when you meet them. And, you know, he'll say things like, oh, yeah, you know, um, let me go back to the car. I forgot my mask. And then he'll squint at you to see, like, what your reaction is going to be. <laughs> um, and then he'll say, you know, oh, like, something like, um, yeah, I don't really know about that. That was kind of misogynistic. Squints. You know, kind of like to test, like, what are you going to, and I, I'm telling you, like, I think I told y'all before, I feel like that's what I have to do when I'm like engaging with people, like anybody in terms of like partners, even like friends, like I have to like test you and see, you know, what are these like, like how, what's your feelings and sentiments on certain things? Because there's hard lines, right? Like there are things that, you know, me personally, I just cannot waver on. My politic is one of those things that I take like very seriously so, like, I'll be damned um, to be engaging with somebody who is doing um, things that are queerphobic, um, things that are transphobic, things that are just anti-Black, that are completely, like, antithetical to what I want to have around me. So I'm just, like, it was just really interesting when Asia brought up that point because I'm like, oh, my God, like, that is, like, I could think of that as, like, another point of, you know, quote-unquote radicalization, I think, for myself, like, where I really took, I was like, wait a minute, um what these people are saying is actually making a lot of sense. Um, and I think that I need to like get a little bit deeper into this, like in terms of the reading. And then I need to start like evaluating, like how is this really playing out in real life? 
Um, and I think that that's one of like the biggest benefits of feminism, right? Like it's not just a theory. <laughs> it's happening to you every day that you like walk outside the house, even before you walk out your house, when you turn on your TV, right? Like the assault <laughs> in terms of like the commercials, um, these weird undertones, like, sorry, a another quick aside. I was just watching um, Kong, Skull Island. Um, Samuel L. Jackson was in that movie. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to tell y'all something. This, this, <laughs> I thought this was really weird. I don't know if this is Mary Jane talking. I don't know if it was <laughs> the tequila. I don't know, but there was a couple of scenes in that movie where there was this like direct juxtaposition between Samuel L. Jackson and Kong. Like there was two scenes in particular that I remember. And then like a third thing that's really like an overall characteristic. So there was this one scene where, you know, they, they come on the island, they start dropping bombs automatically. You know how we do. And, you know, Kong is like, what are y'all doing? This is my shit. Don't come in here touching my shit. So Kong starts defending himself. He kills some soldiers. And Samuel L. Jackson is like the person who's in, you know, the captain of the squadron, you know, army guy, the military lead. And he, like, there's a scene where him and Kong, like, come face to face. And you see, like, the fire reflecting around Kong's face. And then they, um, the, the, the screen goes to the fire reflecting in Samuel L. Jackson's face. And then the fire reflecting in Kong's eyes. And then the fire reflecting in his eyes. Oh, and then wow. there's another scene later on where Kong, like, he tightens like, you know, like that, that Arnold meme where, you know, you, you clamp your hands when you're about to do some shit. There was a scene where Kong did that when he was about to do some shit. And right before Kong kills Samuel L. Jackson, he does the same things with his hand and they pan to that. Like there was just those two scenes that I just remember distinctly. And then the third thing was this overall characteristic of like, Kong being kind of reckless and Samuel L. Jackson also being like super reckless with the way that he led his squadron. You know, you have people telling you, hey, we need to leave this guy alone. He's actually the protector of the people on this island. Like he's the one making sure that, you know, they don't die. So you can't kill him. And he's just like, no, I'm going to continue to do what I want to do. Y'all can do what y'all want to do, but I'm going to fucking kill him. And the whole thing is like, he loses people on the way trying to get to the other side of the island to kill Kong. So it was just like this, these two, because, and Kong is also, he's reckless because we find out he's actually pretty young. Um, for his size, whatever he is. yeah, for <laughs> yeah. His size, he's actually pretty young. He's probably maybe like a teenager at the most. So he's also really reckless with the way that he moves and certain things that he does as well. So it just so things like I say all that just to say like there's even today like that film came out like I think in 21 or just like it's within the last like few years that it came out, and I'm just like. This is all very interesting. So even before you walk out your house, right, like there's this just constant assault on our, um, the way the society perceives you. And I think that for some of us, it's, it's important that when we're engaging in relationships and that when we're building whatever that we're building with people that we, we really do flesh these things out, you know, all the way. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Beating me. That's, you know, some because I remember being an undergraduate student and taking a bunch of courses and like analysis of film and you know critical theory and 
all of these films that I used to maybe watch and enjoy, just having them ex just completely every shred of just propaganda about who I am, who I'm supposed to be, uh, you know, possibilities for me as far as politically um, resistance, like just people, I, I can just remember just kind of sitting there like, oh my God, like, and you've heard me use the word uh, uh, cop propaganda before. Um, I mean, that comes from like taking a whole class, just watching films about police and policing and like never being able to see law enforcement as kind of this, you know, harmless, protect and serve. Oh, no, 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 no. I can mm -hmm. never go back to that. But it came from kind of doing what you're describing, this kind of like intensive like learning, uh, unlearning and relearning process. And I think that there are reasons why people aren't interested in thinking of love and sex and relationships differently. This is where people go to like comfort themselves in particular, like when the real world comes crashing in, what do we turn to to feel good? Everybody likes mm. a love song. Everybody likes a song about finding your person who is just going to come and, you know, um, yeah, earlier I was talking about, you know, like relationships that can kind of come and like improve your life. And I'm trying to be more careful about that. I still get stuck around that rhetoric of like, like a, a, a partnering that like is an improvement in your life. Really, it's more so about a partnering that facilitates your growth, like a space where you can grow, that you can do so safely and you can do so mm -hmm. with affirmation and support. It's not necessarily that your relationship has to come in and change your material conditions. Like that's a lot to put on a relationship. Relationships aren't the reason why you know, we find ourselves in material conditions that we do. That's institutions, right? That's law. That's policy. That's arm. Those are armies. Those are police who who um, force us into those kind of things. Relationships are just more about. Either watch that movie with you and help you unpack it. Who's gonna listen? Who's gonna stay up with you when you just watch something that you? I can't go to bed. I can't sleep. I can't believe it. I just yeah. who's your person that you're gonna call and be able to talk to and, and get affirmed and feel loved and safe and supported. That's really what it's about. So that be to me. I do. I definitely um, think that we have to be vigilant about the propaganda we're taking in about love, sex, and relationships. We got to know that what it is, is propaganda. Uh, we got to recognize it and we got to like, but then the tools that we need, y'all, the tools are only as far as we're willing to read because there's, yeah, Demi, I'm going to yield the floor to you. I just wanted to say- No, no, I have a question about something you just said. Oh, what did I say? Mm. But we have to be more careful about propaganda we take in about relationships, sex, and love. I wanted you to, you and B to me to talk more about like, what are some of the, the what are some of the, the, the most, um, you know the word I'm looking for, the most frequent like forms of propaganda you come across. Like what are some of the, the messages that are like deep, that people like deeply hold on to, right? But really are just a outcome of propaganda mm. um i can say for me like from the nigerian perspective really the most frequently this theme of endurance 
Um, there's this thing about um, women in relationships who endure. Um, it's mm-hmm. a constant theme that like whenever I'm watching like movies with my parents at home, it's always there where like the husband's, you know, messing around and doing wild stuff and the wife just has to sit there and endure and be steadfast and like continue to pray. And then everything's always going to work out for her in the end. Like that mm-hmm. it's, it's, I can literally write the script every time. So that has been the most consistent. And for me, like on just my overall take in general, um, the most like toxic, like form of propaganda that like black women in particular, um, you know, face because when when white women, you know, are in these movies and there's a man that's messing around, they find another one, right? But like <laughs> when Tyler Perry writes, <laughs> let me shut up. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> But is that is that art mirroring life though? Well, I'm talking to see our faces right now. <laughs> can I say why I use the word propaganda? Yeah, it's because I want to connect it back to the political. Like this is about power. This is about people being in certain positions in society, and who benefits from the narrative that you must be long suffering in order to be truly loved, and that for a marriage to work, you must be long suffering. And you must do this labor and it must never get accounted for and you must never be equally compensated you are entitled to no compensation like who what who benefits from that i think society benefits from from that um, more largely but i think in particular the person occupying the role as the provider the carer the protector they benefit from that um because all the labor they do is you know kind of magnified and all the work you do becomes minimized and so i just and so i just want folks to be able to kind of like step back and do those kinds of analyses but so often even thinking about things in those terms is called like oh you know you're you're dangerous like i've heard zimmy be called dangerous so many (laughs) times just because zimmy is like doing an accounting of how the labor lands like so wait who's benefiting from this heavy lifting that's getting done you know who who's burden how's the burden getting shifted oh that's dangerous you're dangerous so i'm like oh so this is propaganda then zimmy is like analyzing we're taking propaganda if it's so dangerous to you so that's where i'm getting like this kind of language from where i'm like assessing how people reacting to the question being asked that's another way like if you just so so for example being you were like reflecting like they seem to be drawing a lot of comparisons between samuel l jackson and an ape (laughs) is this anti-black racism you can tell by the reactions of the people in the room how likely you are to be correct in your assessment. <laughs> if people are like, oh, well, let's, let's we want to make sure we're not facilitating anything like that. Let's talk about that. Versus, no, shut that down, shut that down, make that go away, make that quiet. Mm-hmm. You can definitely see, you know, where, where, you know, the the impulse, what is getting protected in that moment? What is what is getting preserved in that moment? Where is the focus? You know, what is the intention? Like all of those things get revealed. So yeah, but you no, know, to answer your question, Zimmy, about like an example of the propaganda, I gotta say, I came out of a really conservative Christian family and the mm-hmm. most propaganda I got inundated with was in my very own home every single day about how how I need to show up, who I need to be, how I need to 
perform in order to have a space in this life, even if the space was relegated to being somebody's helpmate, being the neck to somebody's head, being the, you know, the, the, the rib, the rib. rib. (laughs) Yes. Um, and that was the only place that I could ever have. And when I was like, oh my, like that's, that sounds like something worse than death to me. And to somebody else, they're like, what do you mean? What's so bad about being a wife? Like, why do you imagine being a wife as being so horrible? And it's like, because I know wives. <laughs> I, I watch them. I witness them. I get to see what their lives are like. And I know if that I was if I was confined to that, it would be a thing like death for me. It's that deep. It's that serious. It's that, you know? So that's, I mean, so I, I have to say the very first propaganda I ever got introduced to that I can remember, because it was before I even got to watch films. It was before I even got to choose the music I listened to. It was before all of that. It was my earliest indoctrination into this cishet nuclear family, marriage is the center of everything paradigm. It started in my, my household at a very young age. My earliest memories are memories about me being taught that this is who I needed to be in order to have a place in the world. Hmm. This is not really shifting gears a little bit, but something that you and beating me and making me think of with your last few comments was, I think one of the things that really, whenever I get all like, oh my God, marriage would be blah, 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 be so great. That really puts a damper on it. To your point, you just made Asia is like seeing married people um, and hearing the stories from, um, Hearing the stories from other women who I know who are married about, you know, what their marriages are like, what their partners or what the people they're married to are like, because a lot oftentimes these are not actual partners. Um, and a question I always and I always ask my therapist this because my therapist does primarily like relationship, like couples counseling. Um, I think I started seeing her before she like really started mostly taking on like couples is like how many people are really like happily married? (laughs) Like I'm always like, it's almost like, does it even like, I know it exists because like on rare occasions I get these glimpses of it, but that's like really a question that I've been like trying to think through in the last couple of years is like, what are my examples of like what health, not even marriages, what are my examples of what healthy partnerships look like? Thank you. You know, like if it was staring me right in the face, would I, like, I think I'd be able to recognize it, but it's really hard because all, uh, most of the examples I see are of like unhealthy, dysfunctional partnerships. And when you say dysfunctional partnerships, I think people think of like the extreme, right? Like they're thinking of people who are maybe like physically abusive, you know, things like that. But it's not even that, right? I'm talking about just like relationships that at their core are just like fundamentally unequal. And I know that like every, things aren't always going to be 50-50 all 100% of the time, right? But like I'm talking about like there's just this general sense of like equity in the in the relationship right um you know people not being like thoroughly respected like you know like i just i really struggle with like what are good partnerships like how would i know one if i like what is it you know like as someone who's like a feminist dating right to you know for the topic like there's certain things that i think should be like core values and core principles right? Like you have to be someone who is 
empathetic. You can't be someone who's super judgmental. You, you know, like they're these core, these like core acts. You have to be like someone who's thoughtful and intellectual, you know, like you're curious, right? Like there are all these things that I think are like super important. Um, but then the other part of me is like, well, is that realistic? Like, is this where most people are? Because we often talk about this when we be having like these super philosophical conversations. It's like, where are most people, right? Am I looking for something that doesn't even like really exist? Um, I don't know. These are just my ran the random thoughts I'll be having like <laughs> throughout the day. It's like, what do healthy relations, what do healthy partnerships look like? And like, is what I want as a black feminist too much? Mm. I guess that's the question. The best way I've heard it articulated by other Black feminists is that they're looking for somebody who's teachable, who's willing to learn. They don't have to come meet you and be at a certain place because you weren't always at a certain place. And what an unreasonable standard to like move through the world expecting everybody to be where you weren't just not that long ago, right? So no, instead of like having that expectation, it's more like, is this somebody who can learn? And are they willing to learn with me? Not necessarily that I'm responsible for teaching them, but have they shown some indication that they are on a path to learning? Like they realize that we are surrounded by messaging that's harmful to ourselves as well as the people around us. What are we doing to like, you know, make sure that we're intervening on those things and not perpetuating them? So I would say, in the conversations I've had with others who are like studying Black feminist thought, who are studying queer theory, who are trying to figure out what sex, love, relationships, connections can look like that aren't always aren't always already violent and harmful, <laughs> um, and really, it's 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 never ending. Like I, there's been no pause, no break. Uh, in my study or my learning, like it's been continuous. So it's really about finding someone who's able to step and able and willing to step into that with me mm -hmm. um, and move through that together collectively. Um, and then a lot of people just aren't. And I think those are the brick walls we run into with people who are just like, uh, no, <laughs> I'm the man and it's going to be like this, <laughs> right? Or no, I'm in my divine femininity. And, um, you know, we run into all, <laughs> all stripes of it, right? <laughs> so we know that, you know, there are certain people who can't come with us where we're going. And those are especially the ones to leave behind. I mean, that's a, I feel like there's an added layer, I guess is what I'm trying to get at, right? Because there's like the the rela regular relationship shit that anyone has to deal with, whether you are a feminist or not, right? Just like, is this person honest? Do, you know, can this person communicate? Are they, you know, are they trustworthy? You know, just regular, 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 smuggler relationship shit. But I feel like as someone who is, a feminist or a black feminist, it's almost like, damn, people are struggling to meet the the minimum for relationships. <laughs> now I'm about to add this like added level of like, are you willing to be teachable? Are you, you know, interested in like exploring and de in debunking some, you know, the way we've always thought about the world and society? It's like, damn, I'm st I'm still at point A where I'm like, <laughs> why you always lie? <laughs> like I feel like. 
the, it gets the pool just gets narrow and narrower and narrower because it's a struggle to even get your basic needs met. You know, like you're just, I want to feel safe. I want to feel secure. I want to feel like I'm in a partnership with someone that's honest and some, you know, like those things are fucking hard. And then you add this other layer of like, and I'm a black feminist and I want all these other things in terms of like how my partner is willing to, to learn and grow and they're thinking about the world. I almost feel like it's like, damn, I got to pick a struggle. <laughs> I think like, wait. Settling for it? Mr. Good Enough. <gasps> well, part of it is that men aren't required to be good. Like this thing you mentioned about being honest, like that's not required of men to be great. Like you can be a whole liar and still be a great man. <laughs> it's actually, no, I feel like, Asia, can I actually say like, I feel like that's like another bit of like propaganda too, right? Yeah, that, it like, is. Was brought up. It's like social, women are socialized to understand that you're probably going to get cheated on. Men are not honest. They are slippery characters. Like our mothers, you know, to your point about, you know, from the very beginning, how you're taught to show up. Our mothers tell us, right? They'll say, hey, you know, don't focus on men. Men are this, men are that, but you still need to cash husband, mm -hmm. right? Very confusing. Mm -hmm. So it's this like, and then you grow up watching movies where women are getting cheated on. Heartbreak, 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 heartbreak. Like it's this Ooh, thing. But can we get into why cheating is like the pinnacle of heartbreak? Like, not to say that having, like, being in a committed, intentionally monogamous relationship and then coming to find out that your partner is seeking other people or is intimately involved with other people. It doesn't even have to be sex, right? We know that there's, like, emotional cheating where this person is, like, getting some needs met through another person. Can we talk about what does it mean for that to be like, what does it mean for us for cheating or for our partner to be longing after someone else to be like the pinnacle of heartbreak? Well, you know, Asia, I would mm. say that, you know, if I found out that my partner like murdered somebody, I think that would be the pinnacle. of heartbreak. Right. Like, isn't there some more know, worse things a person be. can do I, to I, just I, devastate you? Right. I, no? I, yeah, I would but be devastated. Like, people's or if partners I'm, aren't usually murdered. Like the reason well, most people. Well, there's, okay. a, there's a lot of people out there who are who are married who've been going out here who be killing people. I ain't gonna. I know, but when we're thinking of things people are actually going to experience over, like in their relationships, you are probably. I don't know that if I had to put a number on it, you're probably a hundred times more to be with someone who cheats on you than with someone who turns out to have murdered someone. These are just the numbers, B. <laughs> most people, <laughs> most people have not murdered anyone. Most people have, you, just, you know, like. <sighs> I, but, okay, I, I hear. So that I point. get your point though, which is I that like that. there are wor there are far worse things somebody can do, right? You can that find could out just your, devastate you. Like you can find out your partner's a predator, right? Yes. Thank predator. you. I was just about to say that. But you know, mm. In the when we're talking about the thing that is common in relationships, right? It's not that there are aren't these other far more devastating things that could happen. It's just those things are just like far less common. What happens all the time is like people are unfaithful, right? So I don't think it's that people are like, you could have done anything else in the world. You could have been a sexual predator. It wouldn't have been worse than cheating. That's not it. It's just the like- but I've heard that though. Like what? I've heard- Can I've we heard... chalk them up to being extreme? <laughs> no, that is a bit- Only because I really wanted to talk about like why that is such a- ma Infidelity is like a major thing. 
for me. I can't speak for anyone else. But I well, can I say mean, for I think me. it also goes back to like what I'm what I was saying about the propaganda of like being socialized to understand that men are gonna cheat. Like it's a big deal because like we've also kind of been socialized to make it like a really big deal. Because when we think about it like this, right? If we're thinking about it on the backdrop of like we getting more used to this idea of like people not necessarily having to be monogamous, right? Getting more used to this idea of being able to have these kind of like conversations or relationships with your partner where if you need if because like y'all said, right? There's no way we're going to be married 50, 60, 70, 80 years and you're not going to be attracted to somebody else or you're not going to want to try to want to do something else. So, And I'm not saying that this is the reason why people engage in, you know, poly relationships at all. I'm just saying that or who decide to not be monogamous because there's a lot of reasons. But I, I am just saying that one of the like one of the things that really did pique my interest a little bit when I decided that maybe I don't necessarily want to be married was this I was me actually like coming to the conclusion that you know I might end up we might end up being with somebody who we can't satisfy all their needs all the time mm-hmm. with the way I was thinking about it was you know the He's ideas too well well, well hear, hear me <laughs> this is look like this is me talking about like my particular situation mm-hmm. right the way I was thinking about it was you know, if I'm somebody who, you know, I'm planning on doing certain things in terms of my education, that's going to take a lot of time. Once I'm done with my education, I have very specific plans about, you know, what I want to do with my career. And when I actually like am thinking through all those steps, I'm like, damn, like, I wonder, like, if I had a partner that I was also like trying to build some type of like relationship and community with, it might be kind of difficult it might be a little hard. So me personally for myself, I was, I then began to think about like being more open to the idea of like maybe not really being um, like super monogamous, not really being like, no, like we, we can only be with each other, but being able to like have real and open conversations about like the realities of like where we're at, you know? And I, and I, this is really, really personal, like just for me. Um, but I think that, for what I'm seeing amongst me and my homegirls um, and the shit that we're trying to do, um, there's a few of them, um, a few of some of my really good friends who they're not monogamous. Um, and I'm kind of seeing a pattern a little bit um, with the ways in which like people who have certain types of politics, especially, is also what I'm noticing. Um, and people who, you know, who have certain types of goals and, and life lifestyles that they really want to live that are being a little bit more like open um, to this idea of let's cut out the cheating all the way. And let's just say, Hey, like this is our agreement. This is our contract. This is what we're going to do. This is what it is. And let's just do it like that. Right. And this now continues. I, I think in some ways, right, it, it, it cuts out the like the, the, the talk about marriage a little bit because I don't know too many. Well, let me not let me shut up because, you know, Will and Jada, but I don't know too many people who get who are non monogamous and then they decide to get married. I'm sure they're out there. But if you're like non monogamous, you're kind of like 
You know what I mean? Am I making sense? You are. But can I say two things? Um, one, I think that y'all gonna fight me, but I oh. think the idea, this idea that people have when they're always like, people aren't meant to be monogamous, and but I honestly think that was some shit that's like it's like men propaganda. Well, that's not what I'm saying but, though. No, no, that that's not what you're saying. That's what I'm. Yeah, not. Oh. The, yeah, yeah, no, that's no, no, no. I'm I don't saying. believe um, that it's inherent that we're just not. Yeah, ever when people meant to like, I'm always like, I feel like men made that up. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's like an easy go-to for men, which is like, oh, people aren't, you know, we're meant to be people like, please. If be, being monogamous is a choice. Um, it is, it is just like plenty of other choices you make in life. Like yeah. you, if you are like, you want to stick to that choice, stick to it. But like this, the, the biological thing that men be doing with like, this is why I keep cheating. <laughs> this is why I can't keep my oh, dick in my pants. I, I can't. It, it, that really annoys me. But to this other piece about, and I, I think it's impossible for one person to meet every single need that you have, right? Like that's why you have friends. That's why you have family. That's why you have colleagues. Like you know, you can get into your geeky work shit, shit with like other people who like the geeky work shit you do. You know, like that's why we are supposed to have, uh, you know, different relationships. Uh, throughout our lives and so I'm not yeah but to me that's still not like a well I am stepping out or engaging in this other relation this romantic relationship with someone else because it's impossible for my partner to fill, fill all my needs it's like you know you can have other people to fulfill your needs it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to like craft a whole new intimate romantic relationship with them you can like have friends and colleagues etc um and then the last thing I wanted to say is I think the reason why infidelity is such a big thing is because it just erodes trust, right? Like two things. One, I think that it feeds insecurity, right? If the, like for whoever it, the person is that's on the receiving end of being cheated on, right? Like there is, it creates a certain level of like insecurity, into like it erodes trust in a way that I think really can be detrimental. Like it's almost like you look me in the face and you said you were going to do X and you did Y, right? Like there is, I think just at the core level, like it's about the line. It's not like literally about the act of you sleeping with somebody else. Like you can, you can have sex with whoever you want to have sex with, but there's something about like the line you have to do. Right. Like whatever story you have to concoct to tell me, you know, like there's there are all these other things that that go in into it, particularly when it's like an affair. Like I'm not not like some like I would we was drunk at the bachelor party and I had, you know, like when people are cheating, like they're actively engaged and like pursuing other people, dating them, maybe like having these long term affairs. It's like there was so much deceit and lying that had to go into that like so I, and there's something about the like I knew this would hurt you but what I wanted was more important than like what it would do to you and to me that's like it's also like a core value difference right like there are things that I may want but because I know it would be hurtful to a partner I can refrain from Right. And it's like, because at my core, that's what I'm like, that's what this is about. Right. When someone doesn't feel the same way where it's like, I'm, I'm, I know this shit I'm about to do is going to be painful. 
that, but I'm gonna need to do it anyway because it's gonna set, you know, it's like, wow, we also have this like core value difference. So I don't know that that those are the things it does for me where I'm like, no, this really is a big deal. It's like it says something about our differences at our core. It says something about your ability to be like a liar and deceitful. And like now the, the, this trust thing where like I want to be able to like, like you're my, you all are my friends, right? Even with my friends, I want to be able to know like if Asia told me A, then it's A. B to me told me D, then it's D. So if I'm looking at my partner and you're telling me it's A, but I can't even trust that it, like, that's huge, I think. That's my little two cents. Yes, I mean, I feel that, um, you know, having someone that you share your intimate space, your home, bank account, (laughs) family member, (laughs) like, girl, like, what? Your vulva. (laughs) (laughs) no I I really yes all of that and you know I don't I don't think that polyamory is a solution to infidelity I don't I because I think you Mm. can be unfaithful even in a polyamorous dynamic you know oh absolutely yeah yeah absolutely I just I, I don't really like when you know it gets kind of portrayed as being like a solution to infidelity because it's no it's it's not a I don't think that it's a solution. I think what I'm trying to say is that I feel like we, a lot of us restrict ourselves to like this idea that we have to be monogamous. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that like much to like Zimmy's point, like monogamy is a choice, like, and a lot of people don't want to be monogamous, Mm -hmm. but they might not necessarily like really know how to communicate that right to a partner. Right. There's this thing about like, I still very much, you know, I care for you and I want to be with you. But like, I I also do, I don't really see myself just being with one person um, and that being like, okay. Um, And I think what I'm trying to say is that it's important for us all to be like open to the prospect of like, we might be dealing with somebody or we ourselves might be that person who monogamy might not necessarily like work for us. Like it might be more stressful than anything else um and if that's the case like know that there are other options right you might just not want to be with anybody at that moment and that's okay but if you are like interested in not being with just one person but wanting to be with multiple people then there should be able to be a conversation about that as well it's really that was really what I was trying to say can I also add this and this is really not a point to what you just made be to me but it's something I think is really important that gets lost is sometimes when we when people have conversations about like monogamy polyamory etc there's always this default assumption that like most people want to be polyamorous or don't want to be monogamous right but they're willing to make the choice to sacrifice I just want people to know that like monogamy is really like some people's shit. Like I enjoy that shit. I re- I really like it. <laughs> like I'm not interested. Like I'm good. Like if if we're good and we're solid, like I am, I can be all in on just that. You know what I mean? Like if things are good and solid, right? If the foundation, not to say it's always going to be good, but if the foundation is like there, the trust is, if I'm like really fucking with you, like I am, I'm not, it's not like this difficult, like, oh my God. God, I have to sacrifice in this way to be monogamous the way some people make it out to be. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it's cool. I fuck, like, why would I want to be with anybody else? Me and you could just ride. It's cool. All right. So like, 
and I think people should just find their people. Like, I don't knock people who want to be poly. Like, if you're like, nah, actually, that really gets in my heart. Knowing I got to be with one person, I can't do it. There's really nothing wrong with that. Like, it's, I think it's just as normal as people who are like, nah, I really need to be with one person. Yeah, Those two things absolutely. are completely normal. Mm-hmm. And if we, if there was more space for that in society, I think people would feel a little bit more like, free and liberated to kind of like choose their little bucket you know like this is and also men be doing some manipulative shit right because if you are someone who's truly non-monogamous you should be fine with your partner being non-monogamous that is rarely ever the case right it's often the case that like no I want you girlfriend A to be over here I want side piece B to be here (laughs) y'all can't be doing nothing with nobody else this non-monogamy is for me and like that's like a whole nother conversation next question your oh asia was this a statement or a question that was a statement that was like at the beginning of the conversation when we were talking about like these dating hustlers like kevin samuels and like people who are giving all this advice on like what to do to um like when we're talking about the article and all that Yes, your standards being why you're single. I and I this told is something Asia that this was a room on Clubhouse, like literally. This was I'm actually sure. a room title. I, it sounds right up the alley of one of the dating or femininity <laughs> coaches. Um, I find this to be like the funniest thing when people are talking about black women. Um, but and, you know, people always revert back to like, remember, B to me, you might be too young for this, but Asia, do you remember Chili when she had that show where she had that like long ass list of all the things she wanted in a man? I was, do remember that. I do. Completely fucking ridiculous, right? But I think that out there in the world, that's what people really think about how black women are out there making their like dating decisions and partnership decisions it's like we have these super long lists we want there's actually an article that i read it was a um qualitative study done where they interviewed like 50 married black men and they were asking them about why you know they think black women are struggling with dating why so many black women are single i should send it to y'all um and in the article a huge chunk of the men right like one of the biggest themes that emerged was that like black women are doing too much they want too much you know standards too high blah 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 i mean there were some other things that they some men a much smaller pr- proportion were like it's slim pickings <laughs> so how black women are single it's hard out there but for a lot of men it was this narrative of like these women they they there's they have too they want too much they like their standards are too high and i always find that to be like the wildest argument when it comes to black women's dating options, because for many, I don't even know that they would describe it as settling, right? Like you can be perfectly happy with a partner that, you know, maybe is not, you're not matched in terms of education, et cetera. But if we were using the criteria that men are using to talk about like women wanting too much, like the standards being the bare it be at the floor, like bare minimum. You know, when I listen to black women's lists, it's like, I want him to be nice <laughs> and kind and smart. But you know? like, what's also funny is that at the same time where like that narrative does like exist about black w- women, there's also this 
like narrative that like black women's standards are too low right like that's why they're dragging the baby mothers that's why they're dragging the quote-unquote overly promiscuous you know women that's why they're dragging the feminists yeah Mm -hmm. so i mean it's like you know oh you you know you 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 young ladies i just be so hot just want to get you know it's just i there's no winning there's no thank you so i I will say say. i we had this conversation on clubhouse where i forget the title it was our room actually i think it was the ain't i woman room i think or maybe it was a black progressive i don't know but it was about you know is there something wrong with not wanting to date men without who are not educated, right? Y'all remember that room? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was and a, I was staunchly was like, no, like I, I need my partner to have a college education, like I just do. And then y'all got me thinking, and then I was like, you know, Asia has some really good points. You have some good points, B to me. But now I'm back on this thing. I'm like, <laughs> why we can't just be having things that we want? Like, why? My other standards are. So so basic it's just like be kind you know be intelligent basics like just you be a good decent human i'm like why can't have this 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 one thing that like you know to this point of like i don't know it's just it's 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 difficult like feeling like why am i not allowed to have like a standard because the rest of them ain't even standards. It's just like, be a good human being. So I don't know. I've been going back and forth since we've had that conversation. There, there have been times where I was like, nah, they were right. You know, I got to <laughs> I gotta think through it with like a black feminist lens about like what that means, who gets left behind, where does that come from? And then there are other times where I'm like, but why can't you have a man that has a conversation? <laughs> <laughs> I think why it's can't a have case it by case basis. Like I think that I, I and I know like it's I think that it's hard because you I personally don't think there's anything wrong with that standard. Um because when we talk about like economically as black women, I, I just I do have to say like it makes a lot of sense. Um, Feed me, but you know what's crazy? I'm not even talking about economically. I, I know you're just talking about. I know which. I know exactly what you're talking about. But but I think it is like a case by case basis. Like there's some people that you'll meet who they might not have gone to college, but they didn't really have to, right? Like, like there's yeah. this thing about like everybody doesn't really like flourish in college, and there are some people who they're gonna get the information regardless because that's just who they are and that's just like the life path that they're on. And so I, I feel like open to that. If I'm yeah, so I, I feel like but when I'm on an app and I'm just swiping left and right, I be like <laughs> high school left. Oh my god. Is that bad? Am I bad? Well, I mean, I, I think dating oh, okay, the I dating you know, well, well, I think the dating app thing is is, is a little bit different and Asia, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I I haven't been on a dating app in a really long time cuz I hate them. I really, really hate them. They're so annoying. I get bored after a week. But um, the the dating app thing is a little bit like it's different because you don't, you really don't know. Like you, I think you really have to like meet people, um, and you have to. Um, whose granny phone is going off? You know that's Mine. Asian. You know what's my you know granny that's phone? Hello. That's my little boot thing. I had your boot thing. Who is your boot thing? I had drinks with somebody this week. Um, I'll tell y'all about it. We can get into it. I don't like talking about it. But I want you to complete your thought, though. What? Why didn't we hear about this? It's nothing deep. It's not deep. But you just said that's your boot thing. He's my cupcake, my little piece of something sweet. That's all. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Your cupcake. Why does Sweet he get? Thing. Why, why does he get nicknames? Don't you know you're my everything. Why does he get nicknames? <laughs> why yeah. does he already get nicknames? Because I'm, I'm trying not to say their names. So, you, but you could have said this is somebody. Her boo thing. No, you? but she she could have said, oh, but you know, this is somebody that you know I just want to date with. I just started talking. She, she like said, him. no, that's my boo thing. She, that's my she's smiling. Y'all can't see my little, right now. My Asia little sweet piece of something on the side. My little sweet like piece of something on the side. Can you complete your thought on please? the side of yeah. what? Because oh that's God. that's how me and that's how boyfriend. That is. That's how boyfriend. That's how boyfriend. It's not that deep, I assure you. It oh my gosh. Right okay. Okay. Um, that Wait. is fucking hilarious. You don't even remember what you were saying. That shit was fucking hilarious. I feel like dating apps like can be just a little bit different. And, you know, there's sometimes like when I used to be on dating apps, I tried not to pay too much attention to the education level. Um, and I tried to just like look for other things that like I thought were red flags <laughs> or like things that I really liked about the person. And I kind of just like went with that because like my dad didn't go to college, but you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's, you know, he does his thing. Um, you know, he, he still managed to like own his own business you know, like he's a good person and, you know, he's a really dope individual. And apparently he used to be a ladies man back in the day. So ladies, man. Yeah. Apparently black women really like hardworking men who would have thought. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, you know, and I think that there are still some, you know, men out there who they, they have that same spirit. They're hardworking, but Maybe they didn't want to go to college, but they still, you know, they got plans. They got shit that they're doing. Like, they, I mean, I'd say the men who went to college who were not very hardworking. Hello. Some of them went to grad school and got professional degrees. Sorry, can I just really quickly? Not at all. Dating when I was in college was like the most traumatic thing ever. Like these men, like a lot of the black men that I went to college with, it was sad. Get it was sad. I was like, oh my God. I was like, is this what we have to pick from? Like, for real, for real? Like, there are some, like, Black men who are in the intellectual atmosphere and who are in academia that are just ill. Be me, you don't think I know? <laughs> I was just so surprised. No, Zimmy, I was so surprised. It's shocking. When I was graduating shocking. high school, I was like, oh, my gosh, we're, we're going to go to college. Things are going to be different. They're not going to be like this anymore. And it's like, it got worse because now they have big words. Now they have hotepri. They have hotepri language. Now they are taking one, one class like this led by, by, by a misogynistic man telling them that black men are the biggest victims. <laughs> like, I just, like, literally, there were spaces that people tried to form in my college where, like, this one guy who led this, um, this club, he just kind of came from out he wasn't really like part of the campus but somebody invited him and he started this club on campus just for black men um and we were it was weird to us because we had so many black student groups on campus we were like why do you like you know but we were like okay whatever do your thing but then when they started like having events where like women were complaining about some of the things that were being said we were like is it okay if we come and sit in on a meeting like can we like see what's going on 
Um, so we just kind of like went in and we sat in and we were like, you know, we won't say anything. We're just kind of here to like listen because we've been getting a lot of complaints from the students. And, you know, like if the students don't want you on campus, then, you know, <laughs> sir, you, you can't, you can't, you gonna have to go. So we were, we sat in on the meeting and I can't remember exactly like what was being said, but I remember how like the way that the conversation was going and the way that they were framing like the things that black men go through as if like it was very exclusive to black men, right? Like things about the carceral mm. system, um, things like about, you know, um, you know, employment, um, things about the way that, you know, black men are, you know, seen as, you know, more uh, masculine or, or, or hyper-masculine, right? Like these are all things that, you know, can also be said about the way that like black women have been systemically oppressed as well. And it was like this thing about how like the community wasn't like, it was, it was, it, I, I like this, from what I'm like recalling, it was just like the undertone was about like how the community wasn't doing enough like to support black men. And it got to a point where he was like, you know, if, if you all want to like do want to say something, you can. And I, I didn't want to say something at first, but I, I was like, well, you know, I will say that like I can definitely see what people are saying. Um, I didn't have the language at the time to name it as misogyny. I didn't even know what that word meant at the time because I was <laughs> I just got to college, but I was like, I can definitely see what people are saying because there's some stuff that like is being said here that's kind of just like the way that you're positioning it is not necessarily true. Um, and I'm not really sure like how this would be beneficial for like young black men on our campus because like, and it's like the stuff that you're referencing is they're not scholarly like art. Cause you know, I was getting in my, <laughs> my, my political science research bag. I'm like, these are not like scholarly articles. Like these are like, things that are I can't really we can't really verify like if like the stuff that you're saying is even really true um but we know we let them live and we let them have their little you know club or whatever and we just it was just like it was it was interesting Look, though it was I, I'm interesting. not and I do want Asia to tell your tell, tell us about this date um I'm not disillusioned like I'm not I think I said this in that room we had I'm not here under some illusion that like men with college degrees are <laughs> you know some kind of like knight in shining armor I do think it presents a better foundation it can provide a better foundation right because you know at least that person has a starting base where like if something happened and they needed to do some kind of career shift whatever they're already you know kind of halfway there um but I'm not gonna front like I being intellectually stimulated is something that I think I do want to have in relationships. I've enjoyed the relationships and I've felt intellectually stimulated, but being intellectually stimulated does not go hand in hand with someone having a college degree. So I don't know y'all are, there's more I got to do to unpack and explore this. But I think for me, it comes down to like economic stability partly. And then also like, like, what do we, what, what are we going to talk about? Like, what do we have, you know, <laughs> Well, again, this is not in real life. I should also say that when I meet people in real life, there doesn't tend to be all this kind of like if I'm just enjoying our conversation and we're having a good time, it just is what it is. This is more online as I'm kind of, you know, and this is the horrible thing about online dating, right? You just have to kind of come up with these like eh, under six feet, 
No, you know, dang. <laughs> I'm six feet tall. That's not like I'm not wilding. I don't have some weird ass requirement. Like I'm, no, I'm lying. So I will swipe right on five eleven, even though I know it's really five ten because <laughs> you'd be lying. Oh my god! <laughs> but like you know, essentially, if you're not tall, but that's not because I'm like I have some weird infatuation with tall men, like. Like the the four eleven girls or the five feet girls that be like he gotta be over six five for what <laughs> you're this big um but yeah it, it, I'm feeling like bullet holes over here girl not you not because that's not like a, a weird requirement of yours right like no 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 no, no. I actually I have an aversion to tall men like I don't really because I have beef with the short girls who only date men over six feet. I'm tired of y'all. Five ones, five two. You know what? Stop it. Well, I ain't gonna shade nobody, but height don't necessarily mean nothing either. But okay, so Asia, I do want to hear your story. I, I, I say all that to say I'm, I'm working through, and it's it's on. It's only happens in like online dating where it's just kind of like because it's arbitrary, right? Like what what am I using to kind of decide? It's like okay, do I think this person's attractive? I think they're tall enough? Do I like something they wrote on their profile? Are there too many grammatical errors in this paragraph for me? You know, like it's, we we do all these like super like so I, I can recognize that. With that said, I want to hear about this date <laughs> that Asia went on. Her cupcake. Brian texting her. That man calling you. <laughs> she calling her girl. Truth, ah. y'all, is that I'm still very much hung up on my toxic problematic ex who um you know, was not honest about their situation coming into our situation was y'all. <laughs> it, was, it was a mess. It was not healthy. It was all bad. But nonetheless, I still am like nursing some wounds from that. And, <laughs> and so, but I'm trying to get back out there and start dating more. And I had an appointment with my therapist and that she was like, so what do you want our goals to be? And I said, well, I really want to have better, healthier relationships. And that includes at least being like open to the possibility of meeting someone who could be an intimate partner, who could be a romantic partner. Um, unless uh, for other reasons, there are people who just like find it more healthy to just not um be involved in that uh or just don't have the desire or the preference so shout out to them but for me I really do um have a very healthy sex drive <laughs> I have a very um strong mm-hmm. interest in in finding a partner because I do think it would be really nice to meet someone who I could raise children with or just share my life with you know and I think I do I do think that I would like to be a parent. I think that's something I, cause just raising my two puppies these past few months has been so wonderful. I really do Aww. think having a child would be amazing, amazing, amazing. So I got back on this dating app and immediately connected. Which one? <laughs> so I'm using Bumble. Cause I'm and, on several. And the unofficial dating app, Instagram. Wow. And, uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. Uh-uh. Instagram? Instagram being an unofficial dating app. Y'all don't get these DMs from these dudes who be persistent. Like, you ignore them. And then I, I get those persistent. on Clubhouse more than on Instagram. Because... I... 
they be so persistent. And then too, it's like you can see y'all got mutuals. You can see that they're like a friend of a friend from like back home and all that. And so you're like, okay, you're not a total stranger. So anyway, um, what was I about to say? So yeah, I'm on the app and I come across this profile of this man and he's older. So I'm immediately interested <laughs> because I prefer- Zimmy, don't break your neck. I prefer, you know, a little bit, a little bit older. And so- Ooh. I, I thought, oh, oh nice. okay. He's cute. Okay. He's cute. I thought- Scroll down so I can see the rest of his profile. Wait, how old is he? He's kind of. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. He's fine. Don't take offense, Asia. He's fine. No, he's cute. How tall is he? I can't really see. Five nine. Too too short. I'll be missing out. God damn it! I gotta change. Too short for you. Change me. Change me. (laughs) (laughs) These tall men are devils. No, I'm I'm telling you, Zimmy. You you just need to find your Ebo god. A short Ebo king. No, a tall Ebo king. Tall. You right. Speaking into existence. (laughs) My God. My God. Wow. Wait, what, is he in the <laughs> army? Or is that the is he a service member? No, um, he's not. Uh, because how I, old is he, Asia? He is 40. Oh, oh that's, that's not bad. I mean, you said older. I was like, yeah, I thought like okay. 50, 60. That's how I was. I thought too. And then I saw his picture. I was like, he don't look old. Oh, like, okay. He's, he's, he's an older gentleman. He's fine. Oh, God. Not a gentleman. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I <laughs> and showed up smelling like the new Tom Ford. And Oh, that's yeah. who you was talking Hallelujah. about. Hallelujah. Wow. Yeah. So how was it? Because so you never told us. Good. Can we just give advice to the one man who may be listening to this podcast? LOL. <laughs> Smelling good is like so important. Oh, like yeah. invest in a good, good something. It could be a good bath and body works. I don't know where y'all get y'all, y'all fragrances. I don't Not know. Not bath and body works. I don't know, girl. Just invest in something. It could be $20. It could be $200. They got to go to Macy's. Macy's okay, invest. <laughs> and not like the African uncles who be like, you get you could hear the the cologne a mile away or smell it a mile away. No, no, it's the fact that after they leave, the smell intensifies, lingers. You, oh I, my god! I once gave a man a ride in my car because he was parked like further than me after our date. This is years ago. It took me like days to get the cologne out of my car. Like I had to leave my windows down. The whole seat smelling like I did cologne. Not, I don't like strong scents. Like I'm not huge on like even perfumes and stuff like that so like it's a lot for me like sorry Asia go ahead I'm just giving oh, but that was important yeah so yeah um and he was we he, we live like 45 minutes away from each other and anybody who lives in Houston y'all know it is huge you can drive an hour and still be in Houston so we live about 45 minutes from each other and um Initially, he was trying to get me to go and meet him somewhere that was a lot closer to him. And I had to say, well, I'm going to be leaving like right out of work and there's going to be traffic. It's really going to maybe take me over an hour to even get there. Um, Can we meet somewhere a little bit more, you know, equidistant from you and myself? (laughs) And, you know, he did have some resistance to that, but eventually he he went ahead and agreed to it. So that was like... Yeah, but that was like one thing that kind of stood out. But before that, after we initially made our connection, you know, he seemed very, very interested as far as like, you know, hitting me up, wanted us to just like, 
he wanted me to like be at work and be on FaceTime with him, like FaceTiming, like while he's working, while I'm working, because we both were working from home. And he like wanted me to be on FaceTime, not really talking to each other, but just there. And so I was like, hmm, that's interesting. So I, you know, I was wondering like what things were going to be like in person to like sit across from him. If the conversation would be more, is he really looking for someone to fill space? I was wondering like, what is it that he was really looking for? And so he asked me, he was like, you know what, let's just meet up for a drink sometime during the week. And I said, okay, I think that might've been like a Wednesday or a Thursday. And so we met up, we had a drink. And when we were sitting across from each other, he seemed a little bit, not distracted, but when, because the first place we went, um, it was about to close. That was the place we had scheduled to meet. And so I was sitting there waiting for him. They're like looking at me like, man, we're closing. Uh, but he comes in and he sees me. We sit down, we talk for a little bit. Um, and then we say, you know, well, let's, let's find another place. So we find another place. And as we're walking to the other place, he's like, you know, I really don't have much time because I have to, I have a call or I have something that I gotta do. And so I was like, oh, okay. Well, I was understanding because I know that I have things to do too. Like I have, I have to study, I have to do my notes, I have to review my lectures. Like I really shouldn't stay out so late Wait, during the week. How long anyway. had y'all been out already? We had maybe been out, I would say like 30 minutes or so. And then we were switching to another location. And so we were at the other place for, I would want to say about an hour. So we finished our drink, but I was just mentioning like, so wait, I just want to get, get this clear. Did he say he was, he had somewhere to be after the first 30 minutes or after the hour and a half at the second place? After the first 30 minutes, he was letting me know that he was going to have to go soon. Um, and that's why. Soon, how did he say it? He said it like, Oh, um, I have to, I have to take a call, uh, a little bit later because somebody had called him in the moment, like when we were walking to the other place and that was when he mentioned it to me and I was like, Oh, okay. And I, I understood in the moment. Cause I'm like, yeah, I really can't stay up too late too. Oh, so okay, I see. let me know when you gotta go. So I, I didn't know how to read that. Um, but I was understanding in the moment. So, so once- sorry, it wasn't something that he knew before that, like, that he had to go soon. He didn't it was, mention it before. Just, it no. kind of just happened in the moment. I, that's the part. That's why I didn't know how to read it. Oh, like, okay. is that a plan thing? Or are you, like, cutting your time short with me to do something else kind of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. But when we were sitting across from each other and having the drink, I wanted to see, like, what the conversation was going to be like. And it didn't really seem... I don't know if he was nervous. I don't know what it was, but I was just expecting more conversation than what it was because he had been calling me consistently the whole week. But then even when he was calling me, we wouldn't be talking about nothing. Like he would be calling me while he was washing dishes or he would be calling me while he was like, um, and I was always in the middle of something else too, like with the girls, you know, taking care of my puppies or, you know, um, cleaning, you know, 
looking through paperwork, like opening my mail, something, you know, so I just, I didn't take it to mean anything. And I don't really know what I'm, I guess it's been, has it been that long where I'm kind of like, I don't know how to gauge his level of interest, but if I had to gauge his level of interest by how consistently he was picking up, I would have said that I felt like he was really interested because he was just like calling, texting, first thing in the morning. Um, I feel like that's the uniform. <laughs> what do you mean? Like <laughs> men have like a uniform and, and like the way they go about, like they have a, you know, there's a thing, you know, like I do the good morning, beautiful text. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the yeah. thing that men think they're supposed to do. Like, it's kind of like, this is what I do. I call, I'm going to call her. I'm going to text her good morning. I'm going to ask her how her day was, what you're doing, you know. Does it feel like, oh, it's just like that? Or it feels like more like, oh, no, like he calls and we really be like chopping it up, just having great conversation. Or is it like, hey, how you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Beautiful. Yeah, no, I I'll think like, I think it feels like how you said, like, so. Hmm. Let me see. I'm trying to figure out when exactly we went out. So I met up with him Wednesday. Okay. Thursday, the next day, he hits me up. He says, good morning. Later on in the afternoon, he's checking in. And I say, you know, I'm good. How's your day? This is like more towards the evening. And so Thursday evening, the day after we linked up is when he said, I wish you lived close by. And I said, I don't think it's so bad without traffic. But during the week, everyone's coming home from work. And so you know, you have to deal with that traffic. And he said, you want to come? And I said, where? And he said, to my place. And I said, no. maybe one day. <laughs> That's going to be my new response. Maybe one day. <laughs> so it, that is where things are right now. Um, okay. It's all the way on Sunday. And I have to say, he did hit me up again after I told him maybe one day he did hit me up on Friday he didn't respond after you said maybe one day he did not yeah. <laughs> it's the no for me dog it's the no for me you gotta at least have a sense of humor like to I didn't do it with like an emoji or nothing it was cold it was distant it was maybe one day so then on Friday it 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 deserved cold and distant. <laughs> like that's what he, that's what it was giving. Like not, you know, it was giving very much. You want to come through? Like, it was giving your response very much. Was I, I want to fuck. Like that's, that's all it your was. response was like, nah. Cause that's what, that's what they always, oh, so you want to come over? That's no. the, that's another version of you want to come over. <laughs> and so on Friday, I got a, a hey and a sun emoji. And then I said, good morning. How's your day going? And so he said, busy and productive. And I said, I'm here at the dog park with the girls. And that was the last thing I heard from him. Did not want to make plans to see each other this weekend. And to me, that was like a very, very bad, bad. bad did he even ask what kind of dogs you have? Um, He did. Because um, we have been talking for the previously we had we had and we did the whole we did all that so um, thrown back to the streets 
from the streets and where he belongs. <laughs> Give it back to the streets. A little elves. especially at his age like you know what you what you're doing yeah like you if you're really interested you already know how to figure this thing out this is not like some 22 year old who's like i don't know i like her but i don't know how to yeah it's kind of fallen off since then but then i didn't we didn't hit each other up at all on saturday I had, you know, I was out with Coco and <laughs> how was it? We had a great time, y'all. We had such a good time. Aww. Yeah. So I definitely and then while I was out, so can I talk about being out with your friends? So I could when you're out Wait, with are like, we still recording the podcast? We are, and I don't mind. So we oh, were, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we were out with like a huge friend group. And um, Zimmy is no longer in her chair, gone because I'm like, Oh, we've been over there. We doing a podcast, doing a podcast. We love to see it. Come on, because we're talking about dating, relationships, sex, whatever. Oh, so by the way. The reason why I call him my cupcake and my boo thing is because I'm not opposed to us having a very casual um, arrangement. The only issue for me is I don't like low effort. That is what turned me off. It's the minimal effort. It's the already treating me like I'm just like, can you save that for after you get some? Like, don't start out like that because that is just really going to turn me just completely off like who wants like that's nothing to look forward to um that's nothing to be excited about like you've ruined the element of like intrigue by starting things off with such low effort and then the interest kind of you know whittling down because you didn't get what you wanted the night after I first met you like that is just kind of like you so no I did ignore him all night on Saturday um, and he didn't hit me up either, I have to say. So I, I, I don't know. It might've been cause he had other Saturday plans. Um, and it might, so I don't know. It remains to be seen what's going to happen from here. Um, but that's just kind of where things are. But this past Saturday night, I went out and I hung up with the homie Coco. We had a really, really great time. And while I was out and about, I was with like a, a much larger friend group and we're walking down the street in Houston. And it's like this street where there's like a lot of like different like clubs, hotspots. I've been there, girl. <laughs> so we're walking and as we're walking down the street, um, you know, this man kind of comes up to me and we we're we're brushing I don't know what happened I don't know if he intentionally kind of like you know made contact with me but as he did he kind of like held my my forearm and was like oh and I forget what he said he said something like um like why you do that or something and I was like who me um you know very much you know not kind of having like a strong you know, adverse reaction, 
but to the people I was with, they were very off put by him coming up to me. They did not know what was going on. They didn't know if he had grabbed me. They didn't know if they should intervene. They didn't know. And I was just kind of like, oh, you know, very much wanting to like de-escalate the situation. I was just like, oh, you know, my bad. You know, he was like, where are you going or something? And I said, I'm sorry, I'm about to go meet some people. Um, and, you know, he was completely intoxicated, right? Like he was definitely on one. And, you know, he he really was paying me a compliment. And he looked at one of my male friends I was with and said, oh, I'm sorry, dude, no disrespect to you. I was with one of them. I don't know who because oh. I was with more than one, more than one person. And I was just kind of standing there like, oh, you get the <laughs> I was like, wait, what about me? Like you grab. But anyway, they were just really confused. Like, so do you know that person? Like, why did they feel so comfortable like coming up to you, doing all of that? And I'm like, I don't really, like, that's a complicated situation, especially when you're out and about, um, you know, moving through, like, maybe, uh, you know, a different, a different, different kinds of gatherings. And, you know, you get approached and sometimes you're, the people that you're with, they're, they're like, are you interested in this person? Do you want this attention that they're giving you? And it's kind of like, I can't always be really vocal about saying no or stop or whatever, because sometimes that escalates the situation. It like, it like brings up the tension and you mm -hmm. want the opposite because you guys are out to have a good time. You kind of are accustomed to getting approached and you know that it can either go very left or it can just go right and y'all can go in separate ways. And so that's a, something that I was really, you know, taken aback by as far as just like how to handle that because my friends wanted to show up for me. They wanted to be protective of me and they wanted to intervene so that I didn't have to. And I think that's, that's so great. That's so beautiful. But I, I guess the message here is like, sometimes you don't want to be the one who was the impetus for the night to go left. And yeah. so sometimes you'll like do this labor to like de-escalate things or like, you know, like, oh, it's okay. No big deal. He was just paying me a compliment and all that. So they were like, oh, okay. I see why you wanted to do it like that. I appreciate that. But at the same time, he was totally out of line and that's not okay for him to just see a woman walking down the street that he's interested in and grab her. Like you, no, you can't be doing that. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know that that person would have done that if he wasn't intoxicated. And I don't know if that would have happened if we hadn't kind of brushed or bumped into each other. And I was like, mm, I, I'm gonna let that one go. I'm gonna let that one, you know, slide. Uh, for the sake of like getting on with our night and not having the night become about this really unfortunate encounter that happens. Um, so I don't know, that's something that those are those are things that come up for me in like, you know, going out, meeting people, because I know we talked a lot about the dating app vibe, right? Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about what is it like, like when you're out with your friends and someone is interested in how they can approach you may or may not 
you know, be uncomfortable for you, for your friends. Another thing that happened was I was, we were standing outside and one of my friends was smoking and this dude came over and was like, I guess, I don't know initially if he was trying to come over to smoke with my friend or he was trying to come over to get at me, but it became about him trying to get at me. And I can remember, you know, my friend just kind of, I was like, I don't know, this is, I don't really know what to do in these situations where it's like, you know, you're out with a with a friend group and you're getting approached by people for conversation. I'm like, this is kind of weird. So I don't know if I should like, um, if if it's like, I don't know. I just, I guess I just wonder like what people are doing when it comes to dating when you're out with like a bunch of friends and you're meeting someone new. Is it bad form to like leave your friend group to go talk to this person? Is it bad form to have that person come and like be into what y'all got going on? Y'all, you don't really know this person. So it's like, what what do y'all really do? How do y'all handle that? How do y'all mitigate that? Mm-hmm. For me, I felt like it, his presence was like, because we were into a conversation, my friends and I. And so I was like, well, hey, let me just give you my Instagram. You can hit me up and we can see about linking up or Not talking about Instagram. whatever. Instagram. He was so mad. He was like, so wait, you don't trust me to get, you don't trust to give me your number. And I was like, no, it's just that Instagram is more information. Like I get to see your pictures. I get to, you know, it's just, it's not that I'm not, I'm averse to giving you my number. It's just Instagram. Girl, is I would have said, well, never mind. <laughs> minute, no, honestly, the minute he said like, well, you don't trust me. I'd have been like, oh, never mind. So he was just like, and I was like, I didn't know I couldn't get your Instagram. Like, I thought that that was like normal to say, can I get your Instagram? Look. Hey, y'all. It's your girl, B to me. Thank you for um, listening to this episode of Ain't I a Woman. Um, this is our end to part one. Um, we do have part two on the way in the works of dating while feminist. So we really appreciate you sticking with us this long. Um, make sure you go ahead and follow our AIAW underscore podcast um, on Instagram. That is our Instagram page. Um, and if you you know want to reach out to us, make sure you send us an email at AIAW at Gmail. Oh, wait, no. AIAW podcast <laughs> at Gmail.com. Thanks.